We are in this series called Christian with like a little question mark. Christian? It's like, is this what I think it is? Is is, is my idea of Christian right? What about the world's concept of Christian? Is that that fair? Is that right? Well, what has this word become? People can define it in all kinds of different ways. And and here's what I know, that if you are here for the first time, and maybe you wouldn't even designate yourself as that. And to be honest with you, I avoid that word. It's just so politically charged, and people have done so much in the name of that word that has been ridiculous that I just kind of don't even use it anymore. And so if you're here and you're like, I'm not even sure I'm on board with that, you came on a good Sunday. Uh, This is going to be a fun morning for you to hopefully see more of what Jesus had in mind for his followers. And those of you who, this is your deal and you're, you're here most weeks, Uh, This will also be really exciting because you get to participate in something that will have a ripple effect in our community and in Orange County. Unlike very many things, it's going to be a lot of fun because we will be a church known by our generosity. If I could go into the community and the people that I see when I eat on Main Street or at Bellaterra or playing volleyball at the beach or whatever, and if I could get in their heads and give them an idea of what I wanted them to think about when they thought about our church, it wouldn't be that I was a great teacher or speaker. It wouldn't be our awesome music. It wouldn't be our fancy purple chairs in the library. I, you know, these things are fine, but what I would hope that people know us by is our generosity and our love for others. And so we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at that, what that means, how, how that was what Jesus intended, because he was a generous guy. He was the definition of generous. It's his legacy that we are continuing to live out. It's his spirit that continues to lead us. It's not the political associations and the weirdness that you might see or think of in our culture. I was just talking after this last service with somebody. They were here for the second time. It was this younger guy. He was here for the second time. He'd been last week. It was his first week. And he couldn't convince, even though he went home and he was like, you know, honey, he's married. You should come with me. It's, it's, a, it's not a bad thing. There's good people. She wouldn't come because she doesn't want to take this next step of faith in this relationship with Jesus because of the baggage of Christianity. Because she thinks if I become like that, what I think other Christians are, are homophobic, judgmental, narrow-minded, irrational, whatever. I mean, just go on, the, go on with the list. And so that's what it is in her mind. And so she doesn't want to come yet. So what we're trying to do is strip away all that extra stuff and talk about what it actually means to follow Jesus. Because Jesus, when he came, he did not come to start a religion. He wasn't interested in politics. They tried, to, they tried to lift him up as this ruler to overthrow the Roman government and to be their political king, and he wanted nothing to do with that. Instead, he came and he served, and he lived humbly, and he taught love and generosity and grace, and then he gave, paid the ultimate sacrifice by giving his life so that grace could be extended to all of us throughout all of time. He did not come for political or personal gain. He came, he came to inspire, to change the world forever and give us access to God and then to teach us how then we should live. He said things like, do what I have been doing. Love like I have been loving. Care like I have been 
caring. Share like I have shared with you. In fact, he told a story of this, it's become a famous story called the Good Samaritan. You've heard it referenced. You know the story well, some of you. He told this story of religious guys who were walking along this path, and they, they came upon a guy from a, dish, a, a different background. He was a Samaritan, and they were Jewish. They didn't, they didn't associate with Samaritans. Samaritans were half-breeds. They, they were outsiders. It was, it was the person that they liked the least in the world. And they came upon him, and he was beat. I mean, imagine like in a, a back alley off a of main street, like at 2 a.m. on a Friday night or something like that. You come across someone, and they're just they're, they're hang, clinging to life. But for these religious guys, when they saw that, they thought immediately, okay, Samaritan, I don't hang out with Samaritans. B, uh, if I'm this kind of this priestly kind of character, if I do this, if I help him, that means I have to go and get re-cleansed, do this whole process of ceremonial cleansing and go through all these deals. And so I don't have time for that. And another guy probably thought he, he, was, he was already late for something, he needed to get home and whatever else. And so they literally stepped to the side to stay away from this beaten, bloodied mess of a guy. This, well, then along came the Samaritan. The Samaritan is actually the hero of the story, and he sees this guy. He sees this guy bloodied and messy on the side of the road, and he is the one. This guy is a different culture from him, but he leans down. He takes care of this guy, puts him on his own animal, takes him to a hotel, gives the owner of the hotel extra money to make sure that this dude is taken care of. And when Jesus is telling this story, he's telling it to Jewish people who hate that a Samaritan is the hero of the story. He's offending them. Jesus regularly offended people's minds to get to their heart so that they would move their hands to action. And so he, he offended these guys, and he said, you know what, the Samaritan is the hero in this story. You guys are like the religious people, he told them, who are too worried about going through the motions and looking good in your political stature, and you missed the whole point that I am about generosity and love and caring for people. This Samaritan that you despise actually got it right. Jesus was about generosity and love in a ridiculous, bold, fearless, doesn't care what anybody thought kind of way. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 6. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. When you see the word sinner, insert people who aren't interested in God, right? So even people who aren't interested in God and interested in living according to God, even they love people who love them. Even they're nice to people who are nice to them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even people who don't care about God do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even people who don't care about God do that for others, expecting to get paid back in full. That's, that's nothing, that's nothing. That's, that, what, 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 you feel good about that? Like that's, that's just a normal thing. That's not impressive. He's telling his followers, you should be different. You should be different. But sadly, in our culture, for many, the reason why Christian has such a bad stigma is it, be, it has become a lot about what you believe or what you think or what you associate with in your head and not what you do. 
and not how we love. Jesus' way was about action and about compassion. So when Jesus is telling this story to the people, it's, it's, it's kind of like rattling and, and mind-blowing for them because we live in a culture that has been greatly influenced by Jesus and his followers, right? We even have tax laws that give you a break if you give generously to charities without expecting anything in return, right? There's tax laws and there's things like that to say, hey, this is a good deal. That's a result of followers of Jesus over the years, people. That, that is because our country was founded in that way. And there are still those little bits and pieces of that influence that are, that are relevant, that are still at, at work in our country. But in this day and age, they were all about tooth for tooth, eye for eye. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So this was a wild idea for them. They operated in this term, this Greek term called liberalitas, which means giving to please the recipient in hopes that the recipient would return the favor. So in this day, the emperor of Rome, he would walk, he would print coins and on the coin would be his mug, obviously. And then he would have this word liberalitas, which means Give to someone who can return the favor to you. And the word would literally be on the coin. And so he would go through the streets of the city when things were good, and he would throw out these coins to the people. In essence, saying, look at me, I'm blessing you, and I expect you to give it back. You're going to be taxed. I'm going to ask for money in the future. And so he's giving with that in mind. How many of you have seen the ugly side of the family dynamic when grandpa or great-grandma or someone like that is on their deathbed or in their later years, and all of a sudden, this nephew or cousin or grandson swoops in out of nowhere and starts playing hero in hopes that he can get written into the will. There are so many that give just so that they give back so they can get back. And Jesus says, what good is that? What, what good is just being nice to people that are nice to you? What good is it just, just loving people that already love you well? What, anyone, anyone can do that. But Jesus says in verse 35 of Luke 6, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything back then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because the Most High God is kind and he's kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked people. We serve a God that is generous to the worst of people. I was one of them. We serve a God that is generous with it when, when we are, don't even give anything about him when we we couldn't care less that he still extends his love and his grace to us many of you have found that out firsthand and are living lives as a result of his generous grace he says what good is it if you're just graceful if you're just nice if you're just loving to the people who are already nice to you you should be different and so they started calling followers of Jesus, they use this term called caritas or charitas, where we get the term charity, and that means giving to relieve physical or financial distress without expecting anything in return. And the people that followed Jesus in the first century were known for their caritas, charitas. They were known, they were known as people who gave generously. There was a series of plagues in the first century in this Roman Empire. And they were so, 
They were so bad that literally people would move out of the village that they had lived in for years because of the sick, because people got so sick, they were contagious and they just needed to get away. So they would abandon these whole villages and towns to get away from all these sick people. The only people who stayed behind in these villages and in some cases went intentionally into those villages were followers of Jesus. They went in, they cared for these people, they nourished them back to health, or they helped them to die with dignity. And a Roman emperor who was trying to expunge, trying to just eliminate this this Christianity, these followers of Jesus, and he was promoting what, what was called paganism, multiple gods, all kinds of stuff like that. So he is promoting paganism in, in Rome. He gets a letter from one of his officers, and, he, and the officer says, he says, these Christians are more influential than we realized. They care not only for their own people, but also for ours. It was... It was their generous love, their compassion, their commitment to doing good and caring for people that spread all throughout the Roman Empire, all throughout the world. And it's the legacy that we live in today. It is the legacy of the followers of Jesus, the life of Jesus still today. It's Christianity. It's, it's, not, it's not all the stuff, the right-wing stuff, the weird stuff that you have heard or seen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the people that have been in your life or that you have seen or you have interacted with that have done you wrong and still held up this banner of Christianity. That is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is generous. It's loving. It's compassionate. It takes care of people without needing anything in return. Look at John thirteen five. Jesus said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Not if you have your degree from seminary, not if you look real pretty, not if you never get divorced, not if you have perfect church attendance, not if you give X amount of money, not any of those. People will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And in this next verse in 1 John, he says, we love because God first loved us. Our love is a response to his love. He puts his love in us, and we can't help but love other people. That's when you know someone gets it. Someone really gets it. When they love well. When they're so just consumed by love. You just want to be around them because they're a loving person. They might not be rich. They might not be famous. They might not be articulate. They might not have fancy stuff, but they love well. And you know that person That person has been with Jesus. That person gets it. So my question to you, friends, is will you settle for just some kind of idea, some kind of like banner over your head or house that says Christian and live however you want because you can. That's what the world expects. That's what they've seen. That's what they expect. That's normal. Or will you follow Jesus? Will you let him shape your life? Will you let him live out through you and be the kind of person that cares, the kind of person that stays behind and cares for the sick and the dying, the kind of person that loves generously, the kind of person that just gives of themselves? That is what will change our culture. That is what draws people in. I was thinking earlier about the people that I have seen kind of 
introduced to Jesus and seen their lives radically changed, I've seen a lot of them. You know what? I have never argued a person to faith. It has never come from here. I mean, there's plenty of, you can, there's plenty of scientific stuff, there's plenty of historical stuff, there's more historical facts about Jesus than about Julius Caesar. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of ways that you can, but I've never seen it. I see it because people are so well-loved that God loves others through people like you and me, and lives are transformed, lives are changed for eternity because of our love. Another great thing about love is that it is irrespective of culture, of color of your skin, of socioeconomic status, of anything else. We partner with people in Mexico that are doing some incredible work in the streets of Mexico, and I wanted you to see a little glimpse of this. When I looked at this town, it felt like they needed to be loved. We also saw sadness. We saw desperation. We saw kids growing by themselves, no parents around, because they're all working, but not necessarily making enough money to make a good living, just to survive. We saw a place that needed love. My dad just said, one day we're going to plant a church here in this empty lot, and everyone just didn't, didn't believe. We started working on an empty lot in Rojo Gomez, spreading just love, giving away clothing, shoes, food, and people started feeling that they had something going on there. So now we, we are providing the community with love and hope we started to, to see a really a change in the community. Now we have seen the kids develop more. We have less dropouts. We have better efficiency on the kids. They're doing better on their tests and they're doing better at school just because of their having a meal every morning. Working alongside with Barner's Church and Lo Mejor del Trio this past seven years has bringed a big blessing to Rojo Gomez. First the church, then the scholarships, then breakfast program, community center, sports park. Now the community has been developing as this partnership has developed. And we're really blessed to see kids staying in school mother is coming and saying this church is providing a meal to my kid and I want to be a part of this church because this church now is taking care of this community so now we can help the community by having their weddings, their quinceañeras, and be a part of the community, really being a blessing to the community. Together in our partnership, we started working with the locals to get involved in a sports field, a soccer field. Last week, we went and planted 28 trees and put in new nets, and the high schoolers working alongside with the locals and making the, the, the locals 
feel part of of that sports field. They see what this partnership is doing in the community, and they're really grateful that God has put a heart for Rojo Gomez. So now seeing churches partnering together to work, seeing the big impact that has made in Rojo Gomez and that's going to continue doing because that's going to grow, that gives us hope for El Niño, that gives us hope for Terrazas, that gives us hope for Rosarito, that gives us hope for Tijuana and for Mexico. beautiful thing, isn't it? I love the, uh, the video, how he said, last week we went and planted 28 trees. This is happening right now. This isn't something cool that happened a couple years ago. This is, I mean, the story started a few years ago, but this is literally, that was literally last week. That video was made yesterday. Um, and, uh, and so it's incredible to see what God is doing there. It's incredible to see the church in Rojo Gomez uh, be the heroes for the community. And people start coming into the church. Why are you taking care of us? The mother is so grateful for the way that we're helping feed their kids. Um, and even the community leaders, because the schools in Rojo Gomez, that school was, I think, the lowest rated school in the Tijuana area. And uh, since we started the breakfast program, just giving kids a meal in the morning has brought the grades up to now. It's one of the highest performing schools in that area. So it's incredible uh, to have these partnerships. And, uh, and we do, uh, we have a great partnership with Pastor Daniel and Turi, who uh, you heard his voice, and he's actually going to be here next week, um, which is going to be super exciting. Uh, but we have this partnership, and even last weekend, uh, we had a team of leaders go down to Rojo Gomez, to El Nino, to these areas, and uh, from Huntington Beach. And we are starting a, a really intentional partnership with them there. And, uh, and so uh, we've been talking with some of our leaders here for a while, and about six weeks ago, I met with uh, about, uh, I think there's uh, six to eight of them that went down on this trip, and we started talking about what is it about this trip, what is it about Mexico that has drawn you in, what is causing you to want to go and help be a leader uh, for our church in the, in the Mexico partnership, and so uh, I don't know how many of you guys have been down to Mexico, to Tijuana, to those areas, it's so close, and a lot of the answers were just about, it's, it's crazy how it's so, it's less than two hours from here. And it's a different, it's literally a different world. Um, everything is different. Um, and I mean, you saw the images and it's just, it's so, uh, it's crazy um, that it's, it's so, so close. Uh, you could go there for breakfast and be back here for lunch. It's so close to us. And, uh, and so these are a lot of things that we think about. But one of the people at the table when we asked that question um, had a very different answer on uh, why she wanted to be involved. And uh, it really stopped me um, just kind of dead in my tracks and caused me to just wonder, like, what the heck she's talking about. And so I actually sat down with her and, um, and got to hear a little bit more of her story over the last couple of weeks. And I want to share that with you. Um, this, uh, this woman um, grew up in Guatemala. And as she described it, she grew up in uh, the middle of nowhere and of the middle of nowhere in Guatemala, uh, super rural area. Um, and, uh, and she grew up, um, she lived with her grandparents and some aunts, uh, from the time she was about nine months old. Um, and they lived in this hut. Uh, her grandparents worked on a coffee plantation. Um, and, uh, and the, they didn't even own the hut. It was actually, um, about, 
you know, it was a large part of his, her grandparents' uh, salary, their pay, was they got to live in this hut. Uh, and so just super, super poor. And when she was about eight years old, her parents or her grandparents decided they needed to move to the city. And so when you go from uh, living in rural Guatemala or anywhere, really, I lived in Iowa for a couple of years, and then you decide you want to move to the city, if you're poor in Iowa or if you're poor in rural Guatemala, when you move to the city, you are exponentially more poor. Uh, there is, it does not translate moving from Des Moines to Orange County. There's a difference. And so, and so they moved to the city and it was um, just devastatingly different. There was seven of them that lived in this lean to one room spot. Uh, and then shortly after that, her grandfather actually passed away. And then shortly after that, there was a 7.8 earthquake uh, that devastated the city. And you can imagine that their hut did not make it either. And so they ended up living in a tent that wasn't even a tent. It was just scraps of things that they found that they made to be a tent for over a year. Six of them in a tent through winter, summer, the rains, uh, the heat, whatever it was, that's where they lived. And she was, we were talking and she said, have you ever seen the commercials from Compassion or World Vision or these things where you see the pictures of the kids standing in a garbage dump digging for food? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, that's what I did from the time that I was eight years until, um, until she was almost 18. That was her. That's the life that she lived. Um, and, uh, it's just insane. So what happened is about a year after they've been in these tents and uh, missionaries come and they realize this is not okay. We can't stand by and let this happen. These people will never be able to get anything more than this tent. It's dangerous. It's not safe. It's not healthy. And they are God's children and he loves them and they have dignity and they have value. And so these missionaries decided we want to build them a house. And so they built a house for them. They started this process. And through the process, uh, this girl became uh, drawn to one of the missionary women that was there. They lived there for a few months um, in that neighborhood while they were building the houses. She described her as a short, round lady. And uh, everywhere the short, round lady went, she went also. And she loved her and wanted to be with her and close to her all the time. And, uh, and at about 13 years old, she decided, I want to be like this lady. I want to be a missionary. Uh, at 13 years old, uh, a kid that stands and digs through garbage dumps um, decided that she wanted to be a missionary because there was something different there. There was something, there was that love and value and relationship. And for the sake of time, I have to fast forward about 30 years. Um, and I am skipping over some of the most heartbreaking details of, the, uh, of any story I've ever heard. I literally sat crying in Starbucks for a couple hours as she just told me uh, just one thing after another, and it's just absolutely incredible. So she ends up in Southern California, um, and, uh, and um, she's uh, had come to Mariners a few times. She'd come to Huntington Beach a few times, um, but had got to this place where she had nothing. She had nobody, no relationships. All of her family was gone, um, and she just felt utterly alone and broken and isolated. And, uh, and so two things happened. One, uh, Kevin Pike spoke one Sunday. She was at Mariners HB, and he spoke on God's adoption of us as his children and that we are family. And for her, weeping in that moment, in that service, she realized this is where I belong now. This is my family now. And these are the people that I live with now. 
Uh, and it was a, a huge moment of blessing for her to know that she had the father and she had the family. The second thing that happened was that somebody talked her into going to Mexico on a missions trip. And she didn't want to go. And she said, she told me, she's like, I didn't want to just go do another thing. I don't want to just go do something. She's like, I wanted, if I was going to go, I wanted to know that I had a purpose. And so they talked her into going because they said that she could be the translator. And she's like, okay, I'll go. And so she goes to Mexico and, uh, and really not even knowing most of what they're going to do. Uh, but over the next few days in Mexico, um, she is walking and building walls and laying a floor and putting in doors and beds and steps for a house for little kids that were just like her and for their family, this family that was living in a situation that was almost identical to hers. 30 plus years later, she ends up doing the same exact thing. Um, I think that what is so incredible about this is because she, she did become that missionary, that woman that she loved and looked up to so much. That's who she became. And her heart was broken for this, and she is fiercely involved in this Mexico partnership and these trips. Um, and uh, and um, you guys probably see her every Sunday here. She's probably given you bulletins. Uh, she smiled and, you know, shook your hand as you walked through the door. She's on one of my teams as an outreach team, uh, and I had no idea any of this about her. And she is the most quiet and soft-spoken person, and you would never know it. But her name is Eulalia, and uh, we have a picture here. Um, and I don't know if she's in the service. In this service, she is. She's sitting in the back of the room. No surprise there. It's an incredible story. And she would never accept this if you said it to her, but she decided to be fearless because she came out of a broken, devastated situation, a life of poverty and really shame. And she chooses now to go back and face that in the eye and say, this isn't right. These kids shouldn't have to live like this. I want to give a wall, I want to give a house, I want to give a home, a safe place, a place that's their own for their family. So she is fearless, and you don't have to be like what Caleb said, you don't have to go through seminary, you don't have to be rich, you don't have to be a pastor to be fearless. It just takes on acting on what it is that God has called us to do, and it's to love the people around us, the people that are next to us and the people that are next to them, and so on and so forth. And I love that we get to clap for her, but what would really make me happy is if we didn't have to clap for her because this is what we were all doing. I don't want to make it less than, but it shouldn't be a rare celebration that somebody gets to do this. This is who God created us to be. And I'm so thankful for you, Lalia. She, her name, I have this thing with names. I love looking up the meaning of names and kind of working through that, especially after I know people for a little while. So I went home that night and I looked up the meaning of her name and it means sweetly spoken. As she is the sweetly spoken gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And we are called to be fearless with her and alongside of her. And we have the opportunity to do that. And so... 
One of the things we're doing differently this outreach weekend, and if you guys have been around Mariners, you've heard what we do. If you've not, awesome, because we're starting fresh this weekend. We're doing things totally different. We have gone through over the last few months, and we have vetted 50 different organizations and projects um, that are doing incredible things. Some of these are partners we already had. Some of them are new partners, but they're doing incredible things in our community, and they're doing incredible things around the world. And so rather than us try and reinvent these things, why don't we help them go farther faster. We can send them volunteers. We can send them money. We can send them supplies and resources. So we have 50 different uh, projects. We are going to raise over the next 14 days a half of a million dollars. I saw that lady's face go, what? Well, that's what we're going to do over the next 14 days. That's what you're going to do over the next 14 days. And the, the half million dollars, not one cent of it is staying at Mariner's Church. You're not giving it to Mariner's Church. You're giving it through Mariner's Church. And we have already set in process how we're going to help pay for these projects, how we're going to help fund these development and all these kind of things. And so, uh, and then beyond that, there's 5,000 different opportunities. There's 15,000 volunteer hours that we have decided that are necessary to help complete these things, much of which include hygiene packs and things like that, helping paint, helping tutor, all kinds of different things like that. And so for Outreach Weekend, what we're doing is we are asking you guys to be fearless, to join Eulalia, to join Monica and Caleb and myself and the rest of the leaders here, the rest of the church here. But it's not even just here at Mariners HB. It's Mariners Irvine. It's Mariners Sunday Night. It's uh, Mission Viejo. It's the online campus. It's Ocean Hills. All of us are doing this together to make this impact. We're committing to donate some money, to serve some hours, to bring a bag with hygiene uh, kit inside of it. That's what we're going to do, and that's how we get to be fearless together this weekend. Um, This is kind of crazy. It's a half million dollars, which I'm confident I will never see in my bank account, Um, and uh, it's an incredible task. This is actually more Um, The whole idea of be fearless, um, we thought of it as a cool name for our church, for you to all be fearless. It's true. It's what God's called us to. And what we've realized as a staff is that it's actually we have got to be fearless as a staff because this is bigger and wider and way more important than anything that we've ever done before. And it can only be accomplished through God, through the power of Christ, his love in us. That's what drove Eulalia to do what she does, and that's what we get to be a part of. And so Caleb is here to share with us a little bit about how we can make this happen. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big dream. It's a big picture deal. And it's, it's, it's who, like I said, who we will be in this community. This is what we will be known for. We have just tried to take all the barriers out, all the obstacles, so that this could be an all play. So that everyone, whether you're 14 or 94, can get in on this. And so we looked at our goal of a half a million dollars that will literally change our county and that will do so much good that we, we, we won't even be able to, to keep our eye, keep track of it. But we broke that number down into everyone who is here in this church and in our other churches in Orange County. And we figured out that you and I can be part of this world-changing endeavor and, and raise all this money to do all this good for the one-time simple payment of $39.95. But wait, there's more. No shipping and handling. What? Yeah, no processing fee. 
Like Chris said, you're, you're not giving to Mariners, you're giving through Mariners. We're not taking a dime, a cent, any bit of this. We have vetted these organizations. They are doing good in the community already. I know that many of you already give to other places and you're already doing stuff. That's fantastic. Keep doing that. We just want to make this accessible to everybody. So if you're a high school or college student, you just have to give up like five double-doubles and, and, you're, and you're in, right? I know that many of you can do a lot more than that. And so I, I ask you, do a lot more than that. Do what you can. Do what you feel like God leads you to do. Some of you maybe are in a job transition or you literally can't give in this moment today. And so we have other ways that you can get your hands dirty, get involved, and serve. Chris, you want to break that down a little bit? Yeah. Um, there are, so we talked about these 5,000 opportunities. So if everybody serves, if every single person at Mariner's Church gives thirty nine ninety five, we will reach a half million dollars, which is insane to think about. If every single person serves three hours, just three hours over the next five weeks, we will be able to accomplish all of these projects. If every person at Mariner's HB brings one hygiene kit back over the next few weeks, we will be able to fill to overflowing these pantries at the homeless shelters and the, and the, uh, the, the kitchens and all these things that we have the opportunity to do that. There's slides. Uh, we've, real quick, we're going to help renovate a state-run foster youth home. This is a place where foster kids that won't be accepted into even foster families live bottom of the barrel, rejected by everybody. And we're going to help renovate this and give them a good place to live. There's a homeless shelter. I was there last week. It literally has holes in the floor where you could fall through. We're going to put in a new floor among giving them beds and other things like that. Um, we're going to serve 6,000 meals with the OC Rescue Mission and Chili Van through this summer. We're going to equip battered women and children for independent living. Colette's House in Huntington Beach. So many of you guys know what they do. We're going to help uh, beautify one of their homes. We're going to help do gift baskets for a Mother's Day event for these battered moms. Uh, and uh, so we're super excited. Globally, we're going to create jobs in the largest slum in Africa, second largest slum in the world. I've been there. It is mind-blowing. And there's people there that live in the slums that are teaching jobs, microfinance, these things that are helping people get out. It's beautiful. We're going to train local people to provide basic health care needs in the community. There's so many preventable, preventable diseases in Mexico and Haiti and Uganda all around the world. So at the, the community center that you saw in the video, we're going to be helping train local people families and individuals to help give health care to people that need it. We're going to provide a home for over 100 orphans in Haiti and Uganda that are currently without a home. Uh, they are being passed off from one family to another that can take care of them, and we're going to bring them in and give them a home. So that's just a quick snapshot of the 50 different projects that we're going to be doing uh, together as Huntington Beach with the rest of our campuses. So I encourage you guys to fill out this card this is your commitment card, um, and so you can commit money, you can commit hours, you can commit to bring a hygiene kit, and you'll fill it out with your commitment. You'll tear off the bottom, and you'll give it to somebody wearing one of these awesome turquoise shirts on the patio. Um, if you would like to give, you can give in this envelope, a check, cash, whatever it is. You can do that, and you can drop this uh, either in the offering box, or it'd actually even be better if you took it out and gave it to somebody in a blue shirt on the patio. We have... We trust these people. They've been through the training. Give them the envelope. Give them your response card. If the envelope, if I don't know how to write a check. Does anybody else in that same boat with me? I literally, I could not do it to save my life. So what we've done is we've got Monica and other people out there with these beautiful iPads and this little white thing called a square card reader. And so we can take 
your card, which I have, my wife gives me this card, and I have a certain amount each month that I get to spend. I don't know if it's actually going to get approved right now, but what you can do is you can take your card out onto the patio and say, I would like to be fearless. How much would you like to give today? Chris told me to give thirty nine ninety five. Is that it? That's all that I have in my account. <laughs> I hope that's what I have in my account. So they swipe the card. You sign... And it's literally, yeah, and they send an email via text or a receipt, either text or email, and it's literally a 25-second thing. I did this last night at the Irvine campus for thousands of people, and it literally takes 20 seconds to do it. But this is an opportunity for us to be fearless right now, and I love the fact that it's all just going straight out. And speaking of straight out, we're going to go straight out right now and wait for you uh, to come out and hang out with us. Yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to stay right here. And if you would just take out the card, the envelope, I just want to give you a second to look at that. Like we said, we have fun with this. We play around because we're fun people. We don't take ourselves too seriously. But we wanted to make this uh, a fun, playful thing uh, so that it would be accessible to everybody. That's, that's our goal. We want it to be an all-play. I know that um, giving is a different kind of thing for some of you. Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you throw a little bit here, throw a little bit there. This is just an easy way. We've already done the guesswork. We have found organizations that are awesome, and you can trust that their good will come from this. And some of you are skeptical, and you think, well, how do I know? I'm giving you this, and, and what if, uh, first of all, I'm not even sure I believe in Jesus and the Bible. Well, guess what? You're not off the hook, because you're not giving your money to us. You're giving it through us. We're just giving it to these great organizations that are already doing good work. We're not taking, we're not taking any of it. So you get to be a part of transformative work in this community. The second question is, well, how do I even know like, that these organizations are going to do good with it? Like, what, if, what if nothing good of it comes of my $40 or my whatever I give? At the end of the day, we will be known as his disciples by our love for one another. We don't have to quantify and manage and make sure that every last penny is efficient. We do the best that we can, but at the end of the day, we choose to love. We choose to be generous. Because it's as much about us and what God is doing in our own hearts and lives, transforming us, making us grateful, fun people, people that enjoy life. Generous people enjoy life. Have you, have you noticed that? We want to be those kinds of people. So give, give generously. Will you stand up? Typically, at the end of a service, we do a little thing. It's a, it's a fancy word called benediction. It, we're just bringing things to a close and sending you out. We're going to do it a little bit differently today. Instead of praying, I just want to say this. In light of who you understand Jesus to be and what you, who he has invited you to be, with him as we learn to walk with him as we strip away the extra stuff the extra baggage of the religious connotations in this court in light of that stripping all of that away and in the invitation to follow him to walk with him to know him and then to go and do as he did i want you to say that you're ready that you're set and now go be generous Have a great day. God bless you.